Chapters nine, ten, and eleven of the Story of the French Revolution by Ernest Belfort Bax. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter nine. The tenth of August. Shortly after the event last described, the assembly felt itself compelled, in the face of the open connivance of the court with the enemy, to solemnly declare the country in danger all citizens capable of bearing arms were called upon to enroll themselves in the national guard which was placed on a footing of active service on the fourteenth of july the bastille anniversary the mayor pétion was the hero of the day pétion or death being the popular watchword all battalions of the national guard showing signs of attachment to constitutionalism instantly became objects of popular resentment the hatred of the constitutionalists was daily growing at length the popular party obtained the disbandment of the companies of grenadiers and chasseurs the main support of the official middle class in the national guard together with the closing of the faience club the rendezvous of the constitutionalist party events further helped the popular cause on the twenty fifth of july the duke of brunswick published his manifesto in the name of the emperor and the king of prussia in which he declared that the allied sovereigns had taken up arms to put an end to anarchy in france threatening all the towns which dared to resist with total destruction the members of the assembly itself with the rigours of martial law etc the active coalition which was at this time confined to prussia austria the german princedoms and the principality of turin had formed the plan of marching concentrically upon paris from three different points the moselle the rhine and the netherlands it was on the day of the movement of the rhenish division from koblenz under the command of the duke of brunswick that this famous manifesto was issued the following day july twenty sixth a contingent of six hundred marseillais sent for by the girondist barbaroux who was a native of marseilles entered paris ostensibly on their way to the camp at soissons a contingent rendered immortal by the hymn they sang as they marched along the well-known strains allons enfants de la patrie le jour de gloire est arrivé having been heard for the first time in the streets of paris on that occasion the advent of the marseillais though it did not as was anticipated result in an immediate outbreak did nevertheless stir paris to its foundations the sections or wards into which the city was divided became daily more importunate in demanding the dethronement of the king a petition to this effect was drawn up by the municipality and the sections and presented to the assembly by pétion on the third of august the impeachment of lafayette was next demanded on the eighth but after a warm discussion was rejected by a considerable majority this acquittal of lafayette now regarded by the people as the personification of treachery and reaction destroyed the last vestige of popular confidence in the assembly the following day one of the sections sent to notify the legislature that if the decree of dethronement were not voted before nightfall the tocsin or alarm bell should be sounded the general or rallying drum beaten and open insurrection proclaimed a determination which was transmitted to the forty-eight sections of the city and approved with only one dissentient it was not voted and the same evening the jacobins proceeded in a body to the faubourg st antoine and there organized the attack on the tuileries which it was decided should take place the next day measures pregnant with import for the future course of the revolution were determined at this meeting among others the dismissal of the girondist mayor pétion who had already begun to inspire deep distrust the annulment of the departmental assemblies and replacement of the old municipal council by a revolutionary commune at midnight the tocsin pealed 
the general beat the sections assembled and the newly nominated commune took possession of the hôtel de ville on the other side the loyal battalions of the national guard were marched to the palace which was now filled with hired swiss guards and chevaliers de cour and the assembly hastily called together on hearing that pétion was detained at the tuileries the moribund legislature at once ordered his release and restored him to his functions but he no sooner entered the hôtel de ville than he was placed under a guard of three hundred men by order of the new commune poor pétion between two fires the commune then sent for the commander of the national guard mandat who was at the tuileries with the royal battalions aforesaid mandat not knowing of the creation of the new commune incautiously obeyed the summons but turned pale on discovering new faces where he had expected to find the old municipal councillors he was accused of having authorized the troops to defend the palace against the sovereign people was ordered to the prison of the abbaye but was assassinated on the steps of the hotel de ville as he was being conveyed thither santerre was then nominated commander-in-chief in his stead meanwhile not a few nationals at the palace in spite of their loyalty to the constitution winced at finding themselves in the same galley with aristocrat adventurers avowed enemies of the revolution in any form or shape and with mercenary foreign soldiers their leader gone a division broke out as louis found when he came to review them for while the cry vive le roi was responded to by some vive la nation was responded to by more but what was most ominous was the arrival of two fresh battalions armed with pikes as well as guns who after jeeringly greeting the king with shouts of vive la nation down with the veto down with the traitor took up position at the pont royal and pointed their cannon straight at the palace it was evident the loyalty of these battalions was more than a doubtful quantity it was now early morning and the insurgents were advancing in columns of various strength from different points the procurator syndic roderer met them as they were converging upon the palace and suggested their sending a deputation to the king this was peremptorily refused he then addressed himself to the national guard reading out the articles which enjoined them to suppress revolt but the response was so feeble that the procurator fled in all haste back to the tuileries to urge the royal family to leave its quarters and place itself in the midst of the assembly out of harm's reach marie antoinette rejected the advice in right melodramatic style talked very tall about being nailed to the walls of the palace and presented a pistol to louis with the words now sire is the moment to show your courage the procurator evidently thought mock heroics ill-timed and sternly remonstrated louis himself seemed to share this opinion or at least was not prepared to show his courage just then and moved to go to the assembly marie antoinette followed with the royal youth and thus what bid fair to be a dramatic situation came to an ignominious ending meanwhile the insurgents surrounded the palace the defence of which was left to the swiss guard who though they fought with a valour worthy of a better cause were ultimately overwhelmed by numbers and exterminated the palace taken shouts of victory resounded from far and near the assembly trembled expecting every minute the hall to be forced in vain it issued a proclamation conjuring the people to respect magistrates law and justice at length the new commune presented itself claiming the recognition of its powers the dethronement of the king and the convocation of a national convention by universal suffrage deputation after deputation followed with the same prayer or rather with the same peremptory order 
the assembly overawed on the motion of the girondist vergniaud passed a resolution in pursuance of the demands that is suspending the king dismissing the constitutionalist ministers and ordering the convocation of a national convention the person of louis after remaining three days in the charge of the assembly was handed over to the commune by whose order he was conveyed as a state prisoner to the temple thus ended the tenth of august seventeen ninety two the critical struggle is henceforth not as heretofore between the middle class and the nobles or the king but between the middle class and the proletariat chapter ten the first paris commune and the september massacres with the tenth of august and the overthrow of the monarchy the first part of the french revolution may be considered as complete the middle-class insurrection proper had done its work the importance of that work from certain points of view can hardly be overrated in a word it had abolished not indeed feudalism in its true sense for that had long since ceased to exist but the corrupt remains of feudalism and the monarchical despotism it left behind it the beginning of eighty nine found france cut up into provinces each in many respects an independent state possessing separate customs separate laws and in some cases a separate jurisdiction the end of eighty nine even and still more ninety two found it for good or evil a united nationality the power of the clergy and noblesse was completely broken judicial torture and breaking on the wheel were absolutely done away with madame roland has described the dying cries of the victims of justice who after having been mangled by the latter hideous engine were left exposed on the market-place so long as it shall please god to prolong their lives all this then was abolished and in addition the goods of the clergy and of the emigrant nobility were declared confiscated the interesting point as yet unsolved was who should get this precious heritage the nationalized lands houses and movable possessions of the recalcitrant first and second estates to avoid interrupting the narrative we shall devote a chapter to the elucidation of this point later on we come now to what we may term the great tidal wave of the revolution for the time being it swept all before it but it receded as quickly as it came the period of the ascendancy of the proletariat lasted from the tenth of august seventeen ninety two to the twenty seventh of july seventeen ninety four thus in all nearly two years the political revolution suddenly became transformed into a revolution one of whose objects at least was greater social and economical as distinguished from political equality and as suddenly ceased to be so the course of the progress and retrogression of this movement we shall trace in the following chapters the new revolutionary municipality or commune of paris was now for the time being the most powerful executive body in all france it dictated the action even of the assembly the establishment of an extraordinary tribunal had been proposed the assembly hesitated to agree to it whereupon it received a message from the commune that if such a tribunal were not forthwith constituted an insurrection should be organized the following night which should overwhelm the elect of france the assembly yielded under the pressure and a court was formed which condemned a few persons but was soon after abolished by the commune as inadequate at the head of the latter body were marat panis collot d'herbois billot varenne tallien etc but the most prominent man of all was for the moment danton who was untiring in organizing the sections as the different wards of the city were called and who from having been the chief agent in the events of the tenth had acquired almost the position of dictator 
meanwhile the invading army of the prussians had crossed the frontier while the french frontier troops at sedan deserted by lafayette were disorganized and without a commander on the twenty fourth of august the citadel of Loewy capitulated and by the thirtieth the enemy were bombarding the town of verdun in a few days the road to paris would lie open before them consternation prevailed in the capital at the news in a conference between the ministry and the recently formed committee of general defence danton boldly urged as against a policy of waiting or of open attack that one of terrorism should be adopted to first intimidate the reactionary population of the city and through them that of the whole country the tenth of august said he has divided france into two parties the latter which it is useless to dissemble constitutes the minority in the state is the only one on which you can depend when it comes to the combat the timid and irresolute ministry hesitated danton betook himself to the commune his project was accepted the minority had indeed to fight the majority domiciliary visits were made during the night and so large a number of suspected persons arrested that the prisons were filled to overflowing a vast number of citizens were enrolled on the champ de mars and dispatched to the frontier on the first of september about two o'clock the next day sunday the great bell or tocsin was sounded the call drum or general was beaten along the thoroughfares the famous september massacres were at hand danton in presenting himself before the assembly to detail the measures that had been taken without its consent for the safety of the country gave utterance to his celebrated mot il faut de l'audace de l'audace et toujours de l'audace we must have boldness boldness and always boldness the previous night all the gates of the city had been closed by order of the municipality so that no one could leave or enter to the clanging of the tocsin and the roll of the general was now added the firing of alarm cannon herewith began the summary executions as they would have been called had they been done in the interests of established order by men in uniform or massacres as they have been termed since they were effected in the interests of revolution by men in bonnet rouge and carmagnole costume the matter originated with the destruction of thirty priests who were being conducted to the abbaye the prisons about seven in number were then visited in succession by a band of some three hundred men entrance was demanded by an improvised court which once inside with the prison registers open before them began to adjudicate the prisoners were severally called by name their cases decided in a few minutes after which they were successively removed nominally to another prison or to be released no sooner however had they reached the outer gate than they were met by a forest of pikes and sabres those that were deemed innocent of treasonable practices and were enlarged with the cry of vive la nation long live the nation were received with embracings and acclamation but woe betide those who were conducted to the entrance in silence upon them the pikes and sabres at once fell in some cases veritably hewing them in pieces the princesse de lamballe the friend and maid of honour to marie antoinette had just gone to bed when the crowd arrived at the abbaye where she was imprisoned on being informed she was about to be removed she wanted to arrange her dress she said at which the bystanders hinted that from the distance she would have to go it was scarcely worth while to waste much time on the toilette arrived at the gate her head was struck off and her body stripped and disembowelled a sans-culotte subsequently boasted of having cooked and eaten one of the breasts of the princess carlyle goes into an ecstatic frenzy over mademoiselle de lamballe 
she was beautiful she was good he exclaims volume three chapter four in a style suggestive of an irish wake o worthy of worship thou king descended god descended etc he pathetically talks about her fair hind head meaning to imply i suppose that she had a long thin neck but inasmuch as there is no physiological reason for supposing that a long thin neck involves greater suffering to the possessor in the process of decapitation than a short thick one the point of the remark is not obvious be this as it may the princess's head with others was paraded on a pike through the streets and under the windows of the temple where the queen was confined these summary executions or massacres according as we choose to call them outside the prisons continued at intervals from the sunday afternoon to the thursday evening probably about twelve hundred persons in all perished all contemporary writers agree in depicting the graphic horror of the scene as the blood-stained crowd swept along the streets from prison to prison there is no doubt that the principal actors in these events were either under the orders or were at least in communication with the commune but the precise nature of the connection has not been and possibly now never will be known that those concerned were no mere wanton or mercenary ruffians but fanatics possessed by a frenzy of despair is amply proved by several incidents which are admitted even by royalist writers their enthusiasm at the discovery of a patriot in one whom they believed to have been a plotter as is the case of m de sombreuil and their refusal of money from such their evident desire to avoid by any accident the death of an innocent person shows the executioners to have been at least genuinely disinterested there has never in all history been more excuse for the shedding of blood than there was in paris at the beginning of september seventeen ninety two foreign troops were marching on the capital to destroy the revolution and all favourable to it the city itself was honeycombed with royalist plotters who almost openly expressed their joy at the prospect of an approaching restoration and the extermination of the popular leaders the so-called massacres were strictly a measure of self-defence and as such were justified by the result which was in a word to strike terror into the reaction and to stimulate the revolution throughout france and yet there are bourgeois who pretend to view this strictly defensive act of a populace driven to desperation with shuddering horror while regarding as necessary or at most mildly disapproving the wanton and cold-blooded massacres of the versailles soldiers after the commune of eighteen seventy one such verily is class blindness as in all great crises in history so in the french revolution an active minority had to fight and terrorize the stolid mass of reaction and indifference which alas is always in the majority chapter eleven the national convention while these events were going on in paris dumouriez the successor of lafayette as commander-in-chief of the french army was in the east organizing the resistance to the invasion verdun was taken by the prussians almost without resistance but the new commander who whatever else he may have been was a man of military genius saw at a glance the strategical situation and in opposition to the council of war decided to lose no time in occupying the passes of the mountainous district of the argonne he circumvented the enemy by forced marches and they soon found the road to paris barred by precipitous rocks and well-guarded passes the prussians notwithstanding forced one of the more feebly defended of the positions and were on the point of surrounding the french army when dumouriez by a dexterous retreat succeeded in evading them till the arrival of his reinforcements 
meanwhile the weather helped the defenders heavy rains converted the bad roads into rivers of mud knee-deep and it was not until the twentieth of the month that the main body of the invaders reached the heights of valmy where general kellerman was in command and which they attempted to storm the result decided the fate of the invasion the prussians and austrians were completely defeated to the cry of vive la nation and retired in disorder up to this time the fortunes of war had been unremittingly adverse to the french but the turning-point had come henceforward the revolutionary army which from this moment assumed the offensive went forth for some time conquering and to conquer the present sketch not being a history of the revolutionary war but of the revolution itself i shall in future only allude to the military situation in so far as it affects the course of internal affairs the moribund legislative assembly lingered on during the election of the convention the first political body chosen by direct universal and equal suffrage which did not open its deliberations till the twenty-first of the month after the usual preliminaries it formally abolished royalty and proclaimed the republic its next measure was to declare the new era to date from the current year as the first year of the french republic these measures were carried by acclamation but the convention almost immediately became the prey of internal dissension this most remarkable of legislative bodies embraced every shade of opinion and almost all the men of any prominence in public life robespierre danton marat desmoulins david roland barbaroux sieyes barrere etc were all now to the fore with many others such as tallien collot d'herbois billot varenne barat etc hitherto less known to fame but shortly to come into unmistakable prominence one feature of the convention is especially remarkable it embodied the first conscious recognition of the principle of internationalism the german atheist internationalist and humanitarian anacarsis klutz and the english freethinker and republican thomas paine were among its members priestley of birmingham the great chemist had also been elected but declined to sit in order at once to accentuate the international conception of the revolution and to create a diversion in the rear of the invading armies the convention issued a manifesto on november nineteenth inviting all peoples to rise against their oppressors and assuring them of the sympathy and when possible of the active support of the french republic the two great parties in the convention were the girondists and the montanists the girondists were the party of orderly progress sweetness and light the men who dreaded all violent i e energetic measures such men however well-intentioned they may be and even apart from their ultimate objects must always in the long run become the tools of reaction from their timidity and hesitancy the girondists desired a doctrinaire republic led by the professional middle classes the lawyers and litterateurs their main strength lay in the provinces the name being derived from the department of the gironde whence some of their chief men came among the leaders of the girondist party may be mentioned condorcet roland louvet rebecchi pétion barbaroux vergniaud and brissot some of them had been in spite of their generally mild attitude active in preparing the tenth of august it was as we have seen barbaroux who sent to his native town for the marseillais and directed this remarkable body of men on the day of the insurrection the other leading party in the convention were the mountainists 
as they were termed because they sat on the benches at the top of the left comprising the leaders of paris and largely identical in policy with the commune many of whose members sat in both the municipal and the legislative bodies robespierre danton marat all the parisian members that is the most advanced revolutionary leaders belonged to the mountain which had its strength in the forty-eight sections and in the faubourgs or outlying suburbs in which the populace of paris found voice the montanists advocated uncompromising revolutionary principles besides aiming to some extent at economic equality a vigorous policy and a strong centralization in opposition to the girondists who favored strictly middle-class republicanism a timid and vacillating policy and federalization or local autonomy the struggle between the mountain and gironde was in part a struggle for supremacy between paris and the departments besides the mountainists and girondists proper i e those who represented any definite principles at all who both together constituted a minority in the convention notwithstanding that they dictated its character and policy there was the actual majority which was called the plain its members being sometimes designated in ridicule frogs of the marsh like most majorities the plain was an inchoate mass of floating indifferentism and muddle-headedness with more or less reactionary instincts which naturally inclined it to the side of the girondists as the moderate party but whose first concern being self-preservation was open to outside pressure from the armed sections of paris and the faubourg as we shall presently see these men of the plain or frogs of the marsh included many persons of ability who subsequently came to the front under the directorate after all danger of popular insurrection was at an end war was declared within the convention before many days were over by the gironde on the ostensible pretext of the september massacres which they accused the partisans of the mountain of having instigated the individuals attacked were robespierre and marat it was the turn of robespierre first he was accused of aspiring to the dictatorship and the whole force of girondist eloquence was brought to bear upon the lean and cadaverous ex-advocate of arras though without result no definite charges could be formulated against him it is significant nevertheless that before robespierre had attained any supreme prominence he should have excited feelings of such keen personal animosity as a matter of fact danton had had far more directly to do with the so-called massacres than robespierre it was marat's turn next marat whose single-mindedness and absolute self-sacrifice are almost unique in history had the misfortune to be physically an unattractive personality he suffered from an unpleasant skin malady which as it happens was not syphilis as many writers have hinted but seems to have been of the nature of the sheep disease known as the scabies it was very possibly contracted and without doubt considerably aggravated through semi-starvation and the cellar life he was compelled to lead during the early part of the revolution marat then was denounced in the convention by the girondins and when he arose to defend himself he was for a moment basely deserted even by his colleagues of the mountain i have a great many enemies in this assembly he said as he rose to reply to his accusers all all shouted the convention as one man however marat proceeded amidst uproar and howls to exculpate himself till in the end the simple earnestness of his eloquence prevailed and he sat down amid a storm of applause but the girondists though discomfited for the time did not lose sight of their design to destroy marat 
in the midst of these recriminations and internal squabbles the mountain succeeded in getting the unity of the republic decreed a heavy blow to the federalist girondin End of chapters 9, 10, and 11